you are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Uh, this is of Knives and Nightblooms, Chapter 22B, Beneath and Inside Ravensgate. Dio lay on the bed in the very small chamber, still not sleeping. He'd tried picking the lock several times, but none of his old tricks would budge it. Nimue had not moved from the window, though there couldn't be much of a view out there. It was all lanterns, early morning traffic, and ravens. You could not escape the ravens. Nested as they were, all around the outside of the arches, they filled the air with croaking, grating noises. It made Dio want to scratch his skin off. Something's happening, Nimue murmured. My mother's magic, other magic. This temple is full of it. It all feels bad. Wrong. Dio could not feel anything except the settled comfort that came from Calix being so very close by. What should we do? Nimue turned, and the shadows moved with her. She had wings again, or at least a faint outline of wings, like the green shapes that had taken hold of her at the eye of the basilisk. I think, she said, staring at the way the wings moved with her body as she shifted back and forth. The river divine is calling me. Resist it, urged Dio. We have enough magical demands on us right now. Calix was directly above them in the temple. He could feel her. Why wasn't she here? Why had she not come for them? But I think, said Nimue, I think I can use its magic to get us out of here. That seems like a terrible idea. Something heavy thumped against the locked door of their cell. Dio jumped and stared at it. Are you doing that? Glowing purple tendrils slipped through the keyhole. Are those night blooms? Dio yelped. The door shook and shuddered again. The river wants to help us, said Nimue, with a beatific smile on her face. Everything's going to be fine. We don't need my mother to rescue us. Icaros was barely on his feet when the owl came upon them, circling around the deck of the shadow barge. This owl was enormous with high tufts above its ears and deep orange eyes. Its feathers were mottled, cream and ochre. Valeria reached up her arms to welcome the damned creature, who cried out in approval and landed at her feet. Its nameplate read Artemis. A message from Ulwyn, said Valeria, unfolding the scrap of paper from behind the nameplate. She says the temples are in chaos. All of them, or just ours? Icarus asked, eyeing the imposing black shape of Raven's Gate over their heads. The bright owl has stopped answering prayers up and down the river. That's not good. She's heard there's disruption in the temples of the Lark of the Hearth, too. Artemis the owl hooted at them and made no move to leave. Icarus tried shooing it, but got an orange-eyed glare for his trouble. We don't have any food for you, said Valeria. 
The silken hair should be moored nearby. They always have a soup pot on the fire. The temple door swung open, and a bedraggled man burst out. He was barefoot, bare-chested, clad only in a pair of striped lark flax pants like a sailor. Dark, wet braids hung down his back. Icaros felt like he'd been punched in the chest. Speaking of gods who don't answer prayers... Oh, breathed Valeria, I'd forgotten how pretty he is. I hadn't. Aidan the Black Raven, god of death, staggered towards the shadow barge. The ship, recognising him, shivered in anticipation. I need you to take me to Phoenix Burning, commanded death. Icaros's body tightened as the bond magic made itself known. We can't leave here without Calix, he said. Aidan leapt from the temple steps to the deck of the black shadow barge, using far too much of what little strength he had left. He stumbled forward, teeth bared, facing off against Icaros. Are you mine or not? he demanded, bringing himself up just short of touching him. Icaros felt that familiar sensation of flowers curling inside, his body rebelling against their presence, their taste. Opinions are divided, he choked. Petals rose on his tongue. There was a cry behind them. Dio came running out of the temple. There's something wrong with Nimue, he yelled. Vines and leaves burst out of the door behind him dark green and lush, night blooms larger than Icarus had ever seen them, flowered fiercely on those vines. Black, purple petals lit up with bright, glowing stamens. This wasn't Calix's magic. Icarus felt none of the familiar pull. Not even the night bloom tattoo on the side of his neck responded to the otherworldly presence of these flowers. The river, though. The river responded. The waters swelled beneath them, lifting up the shadow barge like this was the ocean, tossing them back and forth. Dio scrambled onto the deck. He gave Aidan a wary look as if they were long acquainted. Are you doing this to her? The black raven gave Dio a dismissive look. I don't care about the daughter. Dio's face flashed with anger. She's my friend, Aiden. You can't pick and choose who you care about. Interesting. Since when was Dio on personal name terms with Icarus's master? He's a god of the divine kingdom, said Valeria. That's literally what they do. We need to go now, said Aiden in an urgent tone. The divine magics of the kingdom are failing, Icarus. I need your service. We can't go without Calix, protested Dio. Aidan gave him a pitying look. I really thought you understood me. Green burst out of the door of the temple, leaves and shoots and tendrils and Nimue. Nimue was green. Green light streamed out behind her like wings. The river water ran up the steps towards the girl, lapping up to touch her feet. Aidan looked shocked, stunned. 
It couldn't be good when something was so terrible that it surprised a god. Then he blinked and looked away. We're going now, said Aidan. The shadow bard shivered at his touch, breaking away from its moorings. Black ropes slithered free of the dock. Icaros tried to move to throw himself overboard, but the barge dragged them away, away from his mistress and her bond. Pain blistered in his stomach, in his veins. Icarus screamed, and violets flew out of his mouth. Blood flecked on the petals. He could hear Valeria screaming, too far away for him to reach. Dio's cries of pain mingled with hers. Darkness swamped Icarus again, and he fell into it. Calix, standing in the upper gallery of the temple, surrounded by priests and handmaidens all in black, felt the magic coming before she saw it. Leaves and tendrils threaded through the doorways, along the polished floors. They burst into flower, night blooms with stamens that glowed brightly in the low lantern light. More foreign magic! exclaimed Mervadian in disgust. Mardi gave Calix a wild look. Calix shook her head. It's not mine. She could feel it, the heavy pressure of the magic closing in around her. It felt familiar. I think it's the river, she started to say. Reynard Calderan barreled into her, knocking her to the floor. Mardi drew a long, needle-sharp blade to defend Calix. Reynard aimed his crossbow between Calix's eyes. One of you kill her, screamed Mervadian. Then we can make sense of this mess. Mardi stepped into Reynard's line of sight, blocking him from where Calix lay on the floor. You already shot me once. Think you can do it again. Calix felt the bond magic twist inside her. The golden threads stretched and pulled. Mardi, they're leaving. Icaros, Dio, Valeria, they're moving away from me. So, she heard Reynard say, I only have to kill one of you to get to her. The windows shattered. Glass rained in upon them all. Calix rolled, pulling up her stemmer to shield her head and face. When she uncovered herself, she saw her daughter. Nimue stood on the ledge of an arched window. Bright green wings spread out behind her, fluid and liquid, magical, dripping with river water and river magic. Nimue glowed brightly like an emerald, like the waters at the eye of the basilisk. Her whole body shuddered, and she fell forward as if knocked. Mother! Calix scrambled to her, practically throwing Mardi and Reynard aside to reach her daughter. Nimue! Nimue was full of magic, pounded flat by magic. She shook with the effort of holding so much power within her slender frame. They've gone! The Black Raven took all three of them with him! Calix swept her daughter into her arms, holding her. It's all right. We'll find them. It'll all be...
Nimue fell apart in a burst of emerald green water, swamping the polished floor. Kalik stared blankly at her own empty arms, then down at the river water soaking into her stemmer and silks. Her daughter was gone. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at Tansy RR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.